I think I think we know that John Gabriel Pajot is gonna wind up as a Colorado Avalanche. Like that that that's kind of like Twitter's kind of like spoiled that for us. I think he's an Islander. Um, really? Tell me why. Why? why? I, I I don't know. I'm not sure. I just it feels like it fits. Respect. You add a player that's not enough. He's he's not good enough to help them win anything. But uh, you know, he, he's he's just enough. He's not like it's not like they're trading for somebody go. They're not trading for Mike Hoffman here. They're, they're trading for you know he's he's a middle six forward. You know, not bad. I think I think he's it really just there. fits in with like the Islanders. Like let's just get a bunch of like guys who are like, hey, you know that guy's pretty good, and then we'll just put them all together on, for a hockey team. Oh, I mean, yeah, and then you, just kind of hope the, things uh, work out. Yeah, you you look at the trade bait list uh, for the Islanders. You know they'll get a guy Derek Grant sounds like a great one. Um, Chris Tierney. Perfect fit for the Islanders. Uh, Robert Bortuzzo's on the list. Zach Bogosian, maybe. I don't know. Wayne Simmons, maybe he's moving from Jersey to the Islanders. I don't know. I, I actually like think, that. honestly, like of all the teams that are sellers, I really feel like the Devils are kind of in like a good spot. Like Because this was not really like a big seller's market, but the Devils have kind of a lot of guys that are, are pending UFAs yeah, or, but, or but guys that have are kind of just like random. Re- relevant that they, they that they're going to move? No, but I think there somebody would take would say, oh, I listen, I can get Sammy Votnin and Wayne Simmons in a trade. I think somebody would package that and be like, you know what, that's actually kind of like an attractable offer for me. What have I told you? Wayne Simmons had five goals in or, or fifty four games coming into last night. I think yeah, he's got I seven mean, goals. Not now. ideal. Luckily for him though, he just scored two goals in his last game, did he not? So usually when scouts yeah, at this I, time I, of year they're like, oh wow, yeah, Wayne he Simmons, he's back. He's a guy with playoff experience. Let's yeah, he, just, he doubled let's his just, goal Here you go. You're in your jersey. Here's a second and a third. For for Vatnin and Simmons, I think somebody would do that. I mean, for 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 both, baby. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, you're telling me a team like Dallas, like if Dallas wanted that, if they were like, oh, you you can give me Wayne Simmons and Sammy Vatnin for a second and a third, I don't think that would be out of the question. I mean, I guess. As a Blackhawks fan, what are you thinking that the Blackhawks are going to do at the deadline? Yeah, I mean, the Blackhawks are in an interesting spot because I kind of fear Stan Bowman is still thinking like, oh, this team can make the playoffs, even though they have. The only thing that the Blackhawks have proven this year is that they are inconsistent. So the thing about being an inconsistent team is usually, out of nowhere, you don't just suddenly start becoming consistent. So, I mean, I'm definitely not under the impression that the Blackhawks should be buying because I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs because they're extremely inconsistent. And maybe they can string together five or six wins in a row, but then they just keep reverting to their bad habits because they have no decor. So I kind of hope that the Blackhawks just kind of stand pat. It's not even like... They have that much to sell if they went in the other direction. Most of their good players who are upcoming free agents are restricted free agents like Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubelik. Um, their goaltending situation is where both Laner and Crawford are, are UFAs. So, I mean, I guess you could move one of them. I don't know, though. I mean, with where the Blackhawks are at, I kind of hope they just stand pat. You, you can definitely make things worse. The Blackhawks have fucked up trade deadlines in the past. They don't have their second-round pick for this upcoming year. I kind of hope they just kind of stand pat and they're like, ah, we'll just pass. So, I mean, I think buying would be the worst thing you can do just because, like I said, like their defense is so bad. They they always revert back to their inconsistent habits that I don't even see a benefit in that. Right now they sit sixth spot in the wild card, so four teams you got to pass just to get into a playoff spot. Minus 15 goal differential. I just I don't think there's much benefit out of the Blackhawks really doing being very active at this trade deadline. Yeah, see, the only thing that scares me about the Blackhawks is I feel like they could definitely go the buyer's route because, I mean, they could just look at it like, oh, the rest of the conference is pretty weak in front of us. Arizona sucks now. Um, 
Winnipeg bleeds chances. Nashville's Nashville. You don't know what you're getting out of them every night. And looks like Minnesota's selling or at least working on moving players like Zucker was moved. So, um, if I if I was a Chicago Blackhawks fan, I would be I, I'd be semi afraid of what the possibilities are because it's it's not like you have oh, a great absolutely. prospect pool. At this I mean, point. Stan Bowman all the time is like, I still think we have a competitive team. It, it's it, I don't understand how you can watch the team that much and think that. Sure, they have some nice players up front. Their forwards, they still have some young guys like Kirby Doc and Alex Nylander. Kubelik is still young. Strom's young. Yeah, Kubelik having a nice rookie season. So they have potential to be good later, but they're now they're nowhere near where contending team status is. What uh, if, especially in the Central Division, where uh, there's probably five or six teams better than him, and Minnesota's even been jumping him. They've been playing better hockey, even though they just fired Bruce Boudreau. <laughs> what if the Blackhawks bought, but they bought players with term, like they added on players that have multiple years remaining? How would you think about that? I mean, obviously, I would prefer that than a pending UFA, but I just don't know who that is. It's such an interesting market with, when you look at some of the guys available. I feel like if the Hawks are looking to add, it would be on the defensive side. I would hope. I mean, God, it's so clearly the what? major so, flaw in this team. So if the Hawks were in on like a Gostas Bear type player, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be mad. You'd be like, okay, we can deal with this. it. Would, it would it would kind of surprise me though because I would wonder what they're doing because. The Blackhawks in the offseason, they traded away Yoki Haru. They traded away Young D. And they passed on Byram in the draft to get another forward in Kirby Doc. So clearly they've been wanting to upgrade their forward core, which means now they have a shitty defense. So I don't know what they would, would trade away for a guy like Gostas Bearer. I mean, <laughs> I just don't really see that as super logical. Um, it's definitely not logical. I don't know. I kind of hope potential. it's just a quiet deadline for him. Yeah, yeah. sure, certainly. I always feel like but, there's a chance. That, I don't know. The it, I feel like there's a lot me. of names that are getting thrown out there from from teams that are kind of in like middling spots, like the Hawks or Montreal's kind of in that spot with like Kovalchuk, Tatar, um, Jeff Petrie. I kind of feel like those teams are just gonna stand pat. I feel like usually when we get to this point, um, teams are just like ah, and they're too gun shy to make a move. But you never know. Maybe it's a fire deadline. But it's just kind of. I look at the names available and I'm like, I don't even know if this guy's gonna get moved. I mean, just going down the list of. Some of the other ones on the Athletics trade big board. Josh Manson, I don't know if the Ducks end up moving him. Georgiev with the Rangers, that's even someone I'm kind of questioning. The Nashville Predators just got Mikhail Granlin, who I think is still pretty good. I don't know if they trade him away. Mike Hoffman with the Panthers. So there's just a lot of names that I'm like, ah, I feel like those teams are kind of kind of be hesitant and like I don't think we're going to get the return that we want to actually trade them away. So maybe that makes the buyers end up caving and paying more, but um, I kind of think it's going to end up being a quiet deadline, to be honest. Yeah, uh, it's different for me as a Ranger fan. I still don't know what to think. They're playing good hockey now. They're playing some of the best hockey in the league um, in terms of the, the competitive-ish wildcard teams. Uh, so I'm I'm semi-afraid that they'll decide to either stand pat, and which would be a huge disappointment considering they have... Uh, I think it's the consensus number one on the trade bait list just about everywhere with Chris Kreider. And then... Yeah, guys, I would have to agree. Guys like Buchnevich, who's nobody knows what what's going on with him. He's been mentioned everywhere. Uh, Georgiev obviously wouldn't hurt me if they moved him because they have goalie depth. And then you see guys like Tony D'Angelo popping up here and there. Uh, you really never know exactly what they're gonna do, and it's kind of. Uh, I I like to think that Gordon's gonna do a good job because he's done a good job the last couple years. But you really never know what you're gonna get out of them, and you don't know who's gonna move what and what's gonna go where. Um, if they held on the Kreider, it would be like 
they always talk about at the deadline, like making keeping your own players is making a an addition at the deadline, but like that doesn't really work. Like holding on when you're when you're not that close because I think they're like eight or nine points out still, and they have games to hand on everybody still. But um, having to you have to win those games to get back in the race, and the Rangers do not string wins together on on a normal basis. They are yeah. That's kind of what I was talking about with the Hawks. The most annoying part about rooting for an inconsistent team is even if they go on a nice run, they're probably going to revert back to their shitty habits. The Hawks being their shitty decor, really. I mean, that just consistently holds them back. I mean, they just get stranded on their own end for times, and they don't have enough players on the defensive side that can move the puck, get the puck out, and have good positioning. So they always kind of revert back to those habits of, of major struggles, even though they have potential to have highs as well. It's just... When you're inconsistent, it's hard to just randomly all of a sudden become consistent, especially when we have this sizable chunk of the season, most teams playing at least 55, 56, 57 games. So, I mean, both the, both the Hawks and the Rangers, I would say, are in, in interesting spots where they've got teams to pass, and uh, they would need to have monster, monster finishes, really, to make the playoffs. So I just don't see a whole lot of upside in either of these those teams acquiring. And then from the Rangers' perspective, they got away, obviously, if they want to move Kreider, and if they can even get enough return to where it would be worth it for them. Yeah, they said something interesting on MSG's broadcast a couple nights ago that the Rangers haven't been over five wins, five wins over yet this year. Um, they've been five wins over four times, but they haven't been able to string together another win in front of that fifth win, which is like, you would think you give them four tries, you give a hockey team four tries to win a game, they're probably going to win one of those games, especially considering I think, I, I don't think all of those were like tip-top, like Capitals or Bruins teams, but... That five win mark has been their kryptonite this year more than anything. They've hit five wins, five wins over, and then it just, I, I, I don't. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. There's nothing there. It, five wins shouldn't be like the ultimate goal to get over. Like you should be wanting to string together wins for your eight, nine, ten wins over five hundred if you want to be a playoff team. Yeah. I mean, the serious contenders are definitely able to do that. You look at how Tampa Bay has really just kind of exploded lately. They are only a point back of Boston now, and now they have the best goal differential because they've been so dominant the last At one point, two months or so. Like recently, Tampa was under the Rangers in in, like, in terms of points. They, they were at the same point total or under the Rangers, and it's like shocking to see that they're now – I think they have 81 points, if I'm not mistaken, which is insane. Yeah, they have the most – They're 58 games. I, I know they have the most uh, regulation overtime wins in the league – because uh, and they've strung together like nine wins in a row, something like that. And obviously, it's it's not. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's yeah. I, I saw somebody somebody tweeted earlier saying that this is like the most amazing stretch of lead the league in goals for too. defensive play that they they've had in a while. They haven't given up more than two goals in like seven or eight games now, which obviously goes to show. Man, Vasilevsky's good. Vasilevsky's insane. I don't think he gets enough credit, honestly, because Tampa. They have so much talent on offense, it's easy to get caught up in Stamkos and Kucherov and Point and Tyler Johnson even. But, man, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky has been so good for him since he came to the league and took over for Ben Bishop. Like, <laughs> I feel like he's such an unsung player that when you, when you think of top goalies, you got to think start thinking Vasilevsky now just because of how great he, he really has been. And I don't know if he's necessarily been given that credit because he plays on Tampa that has so many other big-name players. Even on defense when, like, Victor Hedman's really good, Sergachev up-and-coming, Kevin Shattenkirk's been in the league for a while. So I think how good Vasilevsky's been has really, really been a big factor for how Tampa's kind of blown up the last oh, yeah. few months. 100%. So on the trade bait list, where do you think guys like Pajot or Vaughton have, like, legitimate suitors everywhere? Or do you feel like that'll be a smaller market? Because you said you thought it would be a little bit quieter of a deadline. 
Do you think that they'll have a bunch of teams checking right. in, or do you think it'll only? I think both of those guys will be moved. Yeah, um, I, I feel like definitely with Pajo, that Colorado would definitely be a team that should be interested there. The Islanders, I, he's just had a good season. I mean, he's not that expensive of a salary, so he's kind of one of those guys that maybe you can send Ottawa a third rounder package. Uh, maybe Dylan DeMello or uh, one of their other pending UFAs. They have a lot of them along with Pajot. Because part of the reason people like Pajot is because, first off, he plays center. So obviously that's a priority position. That's what teams are looking to do in the playoffs. you got to build down the middle. And his salary comes in at only $3.1 million UFA at the end of the year. So you're looking at teams that want to win the Cup this year. That's why I keep thinking Colorado had a really good season. Their goal differential... Uh, is third in the league at plus 45, and they've been really good lately in catching the Blues the last few months. They've won eight of their last ten, so I think that would be a great fit for Colorado. And then for Votnin, obviously, again, teams <laughs> who wouldn't want to acquire uh, another player like Sammy Votnin who can bring you a little bit on the power play, play you know maybe second or third pair for a contending team. I think there's definitely somebody that would trade a second rounder for Votnin. I think, like with, without a doubt, um, my assumption is. With I don't think there's as much talent out there in terms of uh, guys on the trade deadline bait like lists than there have been in prior years. I feel like this is a bit of a weaker like because you know when you, you there's always yeah, I agree there's always that. a couple guys that are like interesting, but it's like when TSN's trade bait list has Alec Martinez as number two. He has eight points in 39 games. He's he's got term. He's got one year left after this year. But it's like it's Alec Martinez. We're not talking about like a superstar player. We're, we're talking yeah. about a. Probably. Yeah, you're right. And I think part of that is because Taylor Hall already got moved, oh, so yeah. that kind of just takes like one of the marquee guys off. Hall, Ryder, uh, Zucker's no, you're gone. Right. I mean, you look down the list, I'm uh, and some of the teams other these guys are on. I'm like, are these teams even going to sell? Montreal, Florida, Nashville, Chicago, Columbus, the Rangers. Are any like I'm not even convinced any of those teams are like, yeah, we're going to full on, we're going to commit to selling. So, um, yeah, it just seems like kind of an interesting deadline. Well, so whoever does sell will end up reaping the benefits because if there are teams that do hold their players back, that makes the market even less saturated with talent. And that so you'll have teams like I don't know. I think Minnesota's a pretty pretty, but they should be pretty set on a. a I mean, may, maybe taking steps towards a rebuild, not a full rebuild, but obviously they just uh, they just fired their coach, so that that doesn't help. Um, the Wild are just always in a middling state. Yeah, but you, like I feel like the Wild are for for years they were they were the two or the three seed in the Central, but they could never get past the second round in the playoffs. And then now they're just kind of like ah, uh, they're kind of suffering from that because they're middling. And then they had that year where they traded away their first rounder um, for Martin Hansel in the in the playoffs. So I don't know. They're 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 just kind of in a tough spot where they just kind of got to pick a direction. I think. Yeah. There's a couple teams like that that are always like kind of just like in, in the pack, but oh, not absolutely. like you, you know. Nobody's scared of Minnesota, and that's the most frustrating part to be in as a team, because like or as a fan, because you want to just pick direction. The worst part you can be in is just a middling state where you're on the verge of the playoffs, or you're barely getting in every year, and then you're losing in the early on in the playoffs. It's like what are you even building towards, like by uh, by doing that? I don't understand that. You gotta commit to like a rebuild kind of like how the rangers are doing now they're kind of on the up but still a little bit of time away obviously but i think the most interesting part about this deadline is usually the bottom like the low end teams have players to sell but it's like who are you picking off of detroit that you're really interested in other than like their younger core guys like athanasiu and larkin which i I would be shocked if they moved larkin for sure athanasiu maybe i don't think dylan larkin's getting moving maybe athanasiu but 
yeah, I mean, is that even like that attractive? He's an RFA, so uh, Red Wings could definitely just decide like, hey, I mean, we can just because because you need to have so, some talent on the team. It's like I mean, Mike Green, Jonathan Erickson, and Trevor Daly are all UFAs on defense, but all of them are making over three million, and they're all over thirty-four years old. So none, how many none of them are, have really produced you know, going like that. Reels for that. Yeah. I mean, it's like you can even... Yeah, and if they do get value, that just shows how weak the, the seller's market is because teams will be desperate to trade for defense if they're you know willing to pay a second or a third for Trevor Daly or Mike Green. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's just kind of a kind of a bleh market, I feel like, with the with the trade in there. Yeah, which is wild because I remember in years past, at least, it's always felt like there's been guys there like that have been very... I, I don't know if they've been like big name guys, but there's more talent. There's always a couple, like three or four guys at the top of the list that you would just like absolutely love to have on your team, no doubt about it. And it's like this, this year, yeah. that guy is like a Mike Hoffman, and I don't know if Florida has any reason to really do anything. They're like they're only a couple points out, right. and they're spending big money now. Uh, obviously, with you know Bobrovsky making a ton of money to be pretty mediocre, um, you you need to start making that. They need to start making like the full on pushes and not just going like half assing it more than anything. So it's like even when I got when I got like yeah. it's tough with Florida, man. They have Barkov on such a steal of a contract, five point nine million till twenty. Oh, I mean, yeah. If Huberto at five point nine, Huberto was well over point per game, and they just it, they got to be able to take advantage of this time when they have you know still have Mike Hoffman, still have Evgeny Dadnov, and you, you have know, depth too, just, like guys like Trocheck. Uh, Florida, Florida is in kind of a weird, interesting spot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Connolly's having a good year. Four point seven for till twenty twenty two. Yeah, it's it's like they have their core, but they're just kind of missing that like, oh, like real firepower. If Bobrovsky was rock solid for him on the back end, which he has not been this year, that would help him. Oh yeah, I mean it's like I don't know what Florida's gonna do. I mean if they do trade Hoffman and they can they can add to their draft stack, that would uh, I think that would be a good idea. But we'll see how that plays out. On to baseball so spring training has uh, they're starting to get people together everybody's starting to show up at their respective pitchers and uh, catchers spots they are there um if you follow along a lot of the uh, a lot of the other players have started to make their way down there uh we've heard a lot about but more than anything the astros scandal has been the most prominent of the news stories i feel in terms of baseball and everybody gathering for spring training um one quote that was interesting uh out of the Dodgers Cody Bellinger uh, about the punishment and everything that happened uh, he said I thought Manfred's punishment was weak giving them immunity I mean these guys were cheating for three years I think people don't I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17 everyone knows they stole the ring from us and I think more than anything this is probably the scandal's a bad thing for baseball but the publicity that baseball gets from the scandal is probably not the worst thing in the world that's that's the first thing that I think about on like a marketing scale it's like they don't market their game in the first place. Obviously, people don't want to watch a game where people are cheating. But to hear players actually speak out and have some sort of personality and show their anger is probably a good thing more than anything. Not for baseball, not for the MLB, but for fans yeah. in general. And I, I think baseball players are better than some of the other sports when it comes to that. Like Trevor Bauer has not been afraid to, to share his opinion on different things. Uh, Blake Snell, I know, same deal. So... Um, especially when you compare it to, say, hockey or even basketball. I feel like baseball players are definitely more open about um, sharing things like that. So um, that is definitely a good point there. I, I feel like with the Astros cheating scandal, I mean, this is just one of the most interesting stories in sports that I can even remember. I mean, how in the organization ha of the Astros has just seemed to mess up every single way since these allegations have come out. I mean, they their players got immunity. So then they fire their GM and manager, 
And then their owner comes out with these comments, and they, it just seems like they're so unsincere. And he's like, "Oh, the the our cheating didn't impact the game." That just, it just seems like it's like they don't even care though about that. any of this. It's See, like, the thing what? is, I always go is whenever there's a scandal, like especially with politics, politicians always have somebody else write them an apology. It might not be the most sincere apology. They might just be reading off a teleprompter or off of paper, but there's an apology there. And what the Astros, I I, I just. For him to say that uh, their opinion is that it didn't impact the game is just shocking to me, considering the statistics would back up pretty pretty significantly that it did impact the game he- like heavily, because you see guys like like Altuve and Springer hitting considerably better at home when they have that little they have their wire or they have the banging, and I don't know if you can say there's no impact and it's sh- it's like shocking to me that uh, the owner of one of the more prominent franchises in the Major League Baseball right now, uh, obviously with their success in recent years, would go out and be so tone deaf to what, not only what the fans were looking for, what the fans of baseball were looking for, but what the MLB is looking for. Um, I don't think the MLB would... And it's not even just the owner. Jeff Luplo, GM, gets fired, and he's like, oh, yeah, it was our staff that messed up. He wasn't even taking responsibility. Jose Altuve's been asked about this. And he's and when they asked about the, the wires, he was like, oh, well, the allegations didn't show that we were doing this. Like, that is such an interesting comment to me when someone says that. Like, how, how could you – if the Astros never used anything besides the trash cans, like wire way of communication, then why wouldn't you just say, no, we never used this? The fact that they had to say – Oh, the allegations never showed that we were uh, acquitted or like that we used this uh, like other system of cheating. Like, I, they just the comments just consistently through that organization. It's just so like interesting. Like, they don't even seem to t- be taken this seriously. It's almost like, like they they want. Man, and, and the fact that the players get immunity too. It's just, uh, I it, it's just such a strange situation. And I don't really don't know if I've ever seen. And, and, and we're talking about a league that's had massive steroids, uh, che- cheating scandals, and betting on baseball scandals. It's just, <laughs> it's just so hard to wrap my mind point, around this entire Astros situation. I, my thought was the MLB was going to send lawyers, or the Astros would have lawyers doing everything with, because I mean, obviously, it has more. It's more than just baseball. Uh, you broke rules that got them in serious hot water. I was assuming that they would have a, a lawyer present everywhere telling them, oh, you shouldn't answer this, or oh, you shouldn't say anything about this, or telling the owner, hey, you, prob- you probably you shouldn't think. be saying, oh, it didn't have any impact on the game. Like, no, that's not how this works. Like, you have to be so – I mean, people complain about political correctness all the time, but you have to be politically correct in a situation like this because it's so important. Yeah. Especially on a topic so sensitive of of cheating in a in a in a sport for multiple years, including when you've won multiple AL pennants and a World and Series. And now you have, <laughs> and they're acting this insensitive. About there it. is it's, a lawsuit or two from players who are no longer in the league because of uh, they they feel like the Astros had uh, detrimental impact on their baseball careers. Because obviously, somewhere somewhere along the lines, somebody was. Uh, unfairly treated in terms of they, they got the banging, they knew it was happening, they scored six runs in an inning, guy was sent down or guy was cut. Um, it happened. We know it happened. We don't know exactly who is going to come out and be like, yeah, this is this is a direct impact on my career. Um, but it happened. There's no way. You're not just like getting away. This is ruining somebody's livelihood. Like I think um, 
ex-Blue Jays relief pitcher Mike Bolsing. I think it was Mike Bolsinger. Um, he has a, a lawsuit coming. He has a lawsuit uh, that he announced Tuesday. Um, that there's their sign stealing and all that resulted in like harm for his career and that he's never gonna get a job in the MLB again because uh, the Astros. He had a chance to get in the the big leagues. He pitched against the Astros. He gave up a bunch of runs. He gave up a bunch of hits. Couldn't get an out. And obviously, a guy like that probably doesn't have the best stuff in the world, but he has a point. Because if you get a chance to be in the MLB, you probably have earned it. Everybody grinds all these years to go through single A, double A, triple A, uh, even when they're in college or, or wherever they were before. And it gets to the point where the Astros don't care. It's almost like, obviously, you have some players that apologize, like, Marwin Gonzalez came out and said he's not on the team anymore, obviously. But he, Carlos, Correa, Carlos Correa, I would say, um, it was the guy for me that seemed like it was the yeah, most genuine. Yeah, and which you're gonna have, you're gonna have genuine responses because these guys are their people. First and foremost, they are they are human beings, and it has to. You have to realize, like you know, they feel bad about it. Uh, I know Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick said that he didn't feel a- a- any type of way until um, the. I think the original athletic article article that came out that exposed their whole scandal came out. I don't. I think he said, "Oh, it hit him really hard because he didn't realize it because it was just every day for them. It was just like a normal everyday thing." Um, yeah, I mean, you do it for three years; it's just a part of your routine. You you don't even you're so numb to the fact that it's going on. You're just like, "Oh, yeah." I mean, it was just a part of their part of how they played games. Yeah, it's, it's just more. <laughs> But the the thing for me though, Donnie, that I'm curious about, how do you think the Astros are going to play next year? Because obviously, if you take away an, an opportunity where you know what pitch is coming, if it's a breaking ball or a fastball, that's going to significantly impact you. But at the same time, the Astros still have one of the best rec- rosters in baseball. I mean, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, George Springer, Michael Brantley. Like they still have a really, really, really good roster. But you're taking away a significant advantage where they've been a dominant team. I, how do you think they're gonna play next year? How do you how do you well, forecast I, I think how that's the Astros a fair, It's year? a fair question to ask. Um, I'd say they probably still end up winning the division. Uh, I'd say probably ninety five to one hundred wins. Uh, they won't be the best team in the AL. I, so you don't I, see I much see, drop I see off. A, a slight drop off. Um, I think they were the only team to win sixty games at home last year. I, I believe, because I know the Dodgers had 59, uh, and I know they didn't have the best home record in the league. So I think their home record will likely drop. I know they were still great on the road. It's, it's how it's going to be when you have a, such a talented baseball team. But their home record should drop. They should lose five, maybe six, seven, eight wins from that. Um, I'd say the bigger drop-off will probably just be their personnel more than anything, because it's like uh, there are more question marks in their lineup now than there have been in prior years. Obviously, no Garrett Cole anymore. Um, so that, that does hurt all in all. And I do think if they did have this skid, if they did end up only winning 90 games or like, God forbid they missed the playoffs, then things would hit the fan. Obviously people would be upset. People would would be questioning because you know, you know how social media works. Twitter works. If if they miss the playoffs, people will be saying, Oh, their, their rings were illegitimate and they didn't earn it. It was all. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely going to be reaction based, uh, or, uh, like, However, the season plays out, that's going to be the narrative that's supposed to be the Astros. If the Astros win 85 games, they're going to be like, oh, they, they couldn't handle the, the cheating scandal. It was a distraction. But if they come back and they still win 95 games, then no one's, no one's going to even like say anything about it. So 
they're gonna say, oh, they're still a good team. So it's however, however their season plays yeah, out, that's yeah, gonna be what the narrative. That gets my my whole thought process is, you know, it, so. it'll end up they'll end up being fine. It's like their roster is still incredibly, they're still incredibly talented. Um, yeah, and it's we're still not talking about a great division. The Angels are gonna be better. Yeah, the, the, uh, the A's always stick still, I, I don't. The Angels pitching still yeah. is abysmal. Yeah, and they, yeah, but how seriously can you can you really take the A's? I mean. They had a really good year last year, but they lost in the first round of the wild card. Small market team. There's obvious challenges. You need guys to overperform how much you're paying them. You know, is it a sustainable way of, of winning a division? You know, I guess we're going to find Yeah, out. see, I don't... I mean, if you're, if you're talking about any division, ALS is not a bad one for, for the Astros to be in. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I still think they'll be, be pretty solid next year. But, um, you know, I definitely do think there's going to be a drop-off when uh, you talk about a significant advantage that they had. Um being yeah, taken away from realistically them, so. speaking yeah, like they're gonna out. they're gonna decline it's it, maybe it's because of the scandal maybe it's because of personnel loss yeah. maybe there's a lot of things to uh include but it just comes to the point where you have to i, I don't know it, it's a very interesting situation that we've maybe i don't think we've ever seen before um and i think it may be interesting were the red sox like 100 percent cheating all of last year do we know that for a fact or, or was that not a thing where they cheat because mm. the, I didn't read anything that said it was 100% last because season. Because the Red Sox like decline was like pretty significant considering they didn't really lose a whole lot. Like their their roster was primarily the same in terms of high impact players and I'll, yeah, they were only 16 yeah, 500. I do, yeah, I knew they declined considerably. I know they were under 500 at home, which would probably go to show they probably didn't cheat last year. Um but could we see a Red Sox-esque type of drop off from the Astros like I, I probably would I would say probably not that significant uh, obviously their division is a little bit tougher with the yeah. Yankees being one of the league premier teams Tampa um, very yeah. incredible I think in the AL it's the Yankees yeah. and it's everybody else I mean, yeah. going we, into this we knew that though and that, that's how it should be uh, the Yankees considerably they consistently make moves to get better and better and better every year um, whether they're small or big moves this year this big Brian Cashman fan. Big moves. He, he never fucks uh, yeah, around with his bullpen. I, I, mean, I love that. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up winning 100-some games again, and then they win the AL, and they're the team that represents the AL in the uh, World Series. Wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's more interesting to me than anything. I just want to see how it's going to play out, which excites me for baseball season because, you know, um, I, I'd like oh, to yeah. see – give me a month or two of – I feel like this was just kind of an interesting offseason. The last couple of baseball offseasons have been like, oh my gosh, when is Bryce Harper or Manny Machado just waiting around for them to sign? This one's actually, this offseason kind of had a lot of news. There's been signings early. There's been this cheating uh, scandal trade. to follow. And now we're here. Spring training finally starting. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh, things kind of play out once we, once we start playing ball. So, looking forward to it. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about? You know, I don't know. I mean, uh, hockey is 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 in full swing of things. NBA All Star games. Yeah, this really, weekend, really fired up about that NBA All Star game. Um, Zach Levine kind of got snubbed there. That's what that's what all uh all, all a lot of players that... Um, but ho- hopefully he makes some kind of an appearance. I saw a video on Twitter where he, he, he attempted a three sixty. Yeah, I saw that dunk from the free throw line, and he missed it. But he got to the rim. He got to the rim. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll have to see that Zach yeah, Levine bring I... that out. So. I do uh, think for that. the All-Star game in the NBA, they have the most, like, it's just weird how they pick their players because uh, Charles Barkley came out and said, oh, it's because you're on a losing team. But it's like, 
there's a lot of players that are really, really good on losing teams, so you can't blame for them losing. Well, Zach Levine's having one of the best seasons of his career, too. It's not like it's like, oh, wait, we would just put him in because he's from Chicago. He plays for the Bulls. Like, he's having a pretty good year. I think he's averaging over 25 points a game. I don't know. Kind of thought that was kind of BS that uh, he was left off the game, but hopefully he gets a little bit of a uh, appearance during the All-Star weekend on, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I just... So. I've seen a lot of people complain about, oh, they only pick players from, you know, winning teams. But it's like, if Devin Booker is not making the All-Star game at this point, I think he's got, he's shooting over 50%. He's averaging like 28 points a game. Then what else does he have to do? Because it's not like the Suns are super talented. It's like a pretty, it's a pretty bad team. Like, no. Then you can look at other guys, like obviously Zach Levine having a career year. Um, I'm pretty sure he's like consistently good. Uh, I know, I know his shot. His percentages are all pretty good. Um, then you got guys like Bradley. Bradley Beal is like uh, almost superstar level talent uh, on a team that really doesn't have much else going on for them, and he's not even the biggest snub of them all. I'd say, like I hit somebody tweeted the other day that he was the first player averaging twenty eight or more points per game to not make the All Star game in forty years, uh, which. That that is that is quite a long time, and it's not like Bradley Beal is like an unknown. He's like, he's big time. He he he's, yeah he's yeah, he's no, like he's been around, and he's been good pick. since he came in the league. It's not like obviously him and John Wall have been talked about as like one of the best one two duos that the league have had. Yeah, yeah it's been like, in the playoffs. Um, I don't know the NBA. First off, not a big All Star game guy. I think if if you listen to the first uh, the first podcast we had, not not a big All Star game guy in just about any league. But I do think these guys work so hard to hone yeah. their craft that they do deserve respect. Obviously, if you take out, there are guys that if you did take them out of the All-Star game, they'd be looked at as snubs too. But um, it's like it, when you get to the point where guys like Kyle Lowry and, I don't know, Chris Middleton are making it, um, it you have to kind of consider like, oh, there's, there's other guys out East like Levine and Beal that probably deserve a look. Like, you, you need to think about these things, especially because a lot of the guys probably don't want to go to the All-Star game. It's just, it's how it is. The All-Star game is kind of like, uh, you know, you go, you, you hang out with your family there or whatever, but it's like, th- these players... <laughs> hey, you get to hang out in Chicago this year. You know, it's not the nicest weather, but yeah, it's a great Zach doesn't so. get to go because uh, <laughs> whoever decided on the team didn't do, it did them dirty, so there's that. Tough. Uh, yeah, I think we've done. Uh, right. I think we've talked about enough. There's a lot going on in sports. Uh, we'll be back again next week with the same old, same old. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. For uh, listening. Sh- Sheck Much West. Appreciated. Reminder. You know what? Uh, if, you if know you what, Donnie? Listening, I think I think do, our uh, yeah, Sheck West. Absolutely. We need to get him on. This is our our formal request. Uh, I'll, for, I'll tag you on Twitter on when this goes just, up. Just talk about and you know talk about if sports, you man. Be part of this. Talk about Shaq, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> you can talk about whatever you want. We'll give you as much time as you want. I don't, I don't care how it happens. Just get on here. All right. And uh, follow us on Twitter. My Twitter, at Roadkill823. Follow Donnie's Twitter, at Donnie on the Horn. Hook us up, you know. We'll, uh, we'd, we'd love to uh, I like talk arguing with people. I'm, I'm a big argument guy, guy, so, uh, so. you know. That that has yeah. definitely been something you've established. So through, if anybody wants to argue engagement. about sports, so, you know, respect just come my notification something I think is dumb, and you know that that meme where it's like the guy sitting at the table oh, and he's I like, I will that. argue with anything about anyone. That's actually you sitting at that table. I'll, I'll I'll make sure that I uh, I edit that after this is up. 
so if anybody wants to, just comment on that, and you know, <laughs> we'll talk. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will be back next week with another episode of Roadie on the Horn. Peace. Peace.